Hello and welcome to Bold Leadership. I'm Colin Pooler, your co-host, and along with Cavis Reed, we're dedicated to the discussions of leadership. We have entertaining conversations on the challenges, learnings, ups and downs, and fundamentals of leadership. So we go over there, we hit the lights off, so now it's really dark. So I know where his office is at. He's sitting down at the computer, and I'm coming from the side, I'm coming from like one, I don't know what side it was. So I walk up and I'm just looking at him through the window. He doesn't even see me. He's typing away, going at it. And I just tap on that window. And when I tell you, the laptop, the chair, everything went up. And he was like, when I tell you, I, I know you probably had to go to the bathroom. So by the time I made it around the building, Cavus had them packed up everything. And when came out the building, he was like, man, you just scared the hell out of me. I'm going home. We laughed so hard. Our podcast involves interviews with people across the spectrum of business, public policy, community, athletics, and across a whole range of ages. So enjoy along with us, every guest and every conversation we have. Laugh a little bit, and don't worry, you don't have to be bald to enjoy it. I, when, I, when, when I realized the time was messed up, I said, shoot, I'm about to run the target and get one, get one of these errands out the way. Hey, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get too many free days, man. So, hey, so, and so, then, so, so the, 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 yeah, I ran the target. It's right, it's right around the corner. So I say, oh, shoot, I have to one o'clock. I say, let me run the target. Uh, my wife is, she's flying back. She's flying back tomorrow from Louisiana. So of course, you know, house, everything got to be straight by the time yeah, she gets back to right. the morning. Miss <laughs> Courtney going to be having hey, all, all, the hey, all the clothes that's not folded on the bed, they got to be folded, put away. See, just the way she left it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not crazy. She's doing good, man. She's doing good. Trying to trying to stay adjusted to this Pacific Northwest, yeah. man. Is it raining weather. now? Yeah, <laughs> you think you got weather? It's actually uh, it's today is a beautiful day, but then we got rain coming all weekend. Yeah, it's still uh, we still kind of we're at the tail end of the rainy season, but we still get. Man, it a congratulations bit. in person on a good season. Um, yeah. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate yeah. it. It was it yeah. was huge. Yeah, no, lot, lots of good work, lots of good work. Yes. So both of y'all in Edmonton? No, man, I'm in Regina. <laughs> oh, you're in Regina. I'm in okay, Regina. Oh, yeah. You're in Edmonton? <laughs> okay. He's he's the real northerner. Like, he is way yeah. up north. Oh, yeah, yeah, you. He did his time I, here. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I got my four years there. <laughs> He lives right next door to Santa Claus. He's so far north. Like, Colin's yeah. a good friend. He and I met almost a decade now, Colin. And uh, yeah, and uh, you oh, know, almost, fantastic yeah. brother yeah. that just a smart brother, man. Just got it right. And uh, CEO, CEO of a company that's awesome. Has built up a few organizations, and he's just he got it going on. <laughs> and he has the right hairstyle. <laughs> oh, nice. I- uh, yeah, that is. I, I, pay, I pay him to talk like that, Karen. It, it, it's all right. A few bucks hey, KJ, here and there just works. You and him have something in common. Hey. Your bench press over four hundred pounds. Uh oh. <laughs> well, that's the old days. 
Ain't that much weight moving these days. <laughs> no, indeed not. Hey, 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 I'm just. Go ahead. I I was I was saying I was in, just before you came on. I was starting to tell Kavis I am in pain right now, absolute pain. I'm trying to work out, trying to lift heavy, but I'm getting all tight all the time. So I I, I got this I got this person that, that I got to get treatment like all the time. So last night I tell my wife I'm going. She goes, Oh, you're going for a massage? I go, No, no, no. It's not a massage. It's a treatment. <laughs> a massage don't hurt that bad. <laughs> You know what I mean? Hey, man, hey, I watched some of the young coaches up in that weight room doing power cleans, deadlift. I'm like, yeah, I'm going in this corner. I got my, I got, I got a couple of different workouts I do. I got a free weight workout. And then when I do want to lift once or twice a week, man, I'm not, I'm not loading my spine anymore. I'm not putting that heavy weight on there anymore. Oh, you, yeah, you're a smart yeah, one. Right. Yeah, uh. that that is that. <laughs> you a smart brother right there, man. Ain't, ain't, ain't nobody. I don't have to worry about nobody hitting me. So I just, I just need to be healthy. I hit fifty in October. KJ, we, I just we need beat to be you healthy. there a little bit. We got oh, there a little sooner than you. I got there in February. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We yeah, got there early. I know. So, so hey, as, as as long as long as we on this side, y'all always gonna be older than me. <laughs> anyway, nothing wrong with nothing wrong with age. I, I call it. I have to tell you this. No, I don't know whether or not it's a joke by my daughter or not. But she came on Tuesday night. She's like, "Did you check the mail?" I'm like, "No." So she said, "The mail is on the on the table for you. Just check the mail." So I go and I check. It's a hearing aid at, um, subscription. A company sent me. <laughs> Discount on hearing aids, <laughs> and I am. Mm. I I know she saved it, and I'm like, did you send this into this company? Why would they send me? I just turned fifty. Why would they send me coupons for hearing aids? <laughs> I I told you, bro. You're gonna get all sorts of mail. I I got the yeah. Canadian Association of Retired Persons. I got this this nursing home. This this the senior home little brochure in the mail. <laughs> I got the discount card for the drugstore. So when I want to go get, I, I got twenty percent on Thursdays, Carrie. Twenty percent on Thursdays. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> hey, hey, man! Okay. Things get cheap. So, hey, for folks listening to this podcast. Um, <laughs> I'm Colin Pooler and my co-host Kavis Reed and along with us today we have uh, Mr. Kerry Joseph uh, K- yeah. KJ is that what you call him? <laughs> K- I- <laughs> yes yes <laughs> long time uh, long time athlete in, in, in the CFL Been, made the transition to coaching um, had a wonderful opportunity a little more than a year ago I think um to, uh, to, to where, where, where Cavis invited Carrie into a men's group that we really learn about leadership and it just be kind of a fun opportunity to, to talk more on the topic of leadership. And, um, and so welcome to Ball Leadership, Carrie. And I'm glad you dressed for the part. Hey, appreciate you guys. You know, hey, I didn't know if I need to put a suit on, a sports coat. So I said, I'm going to go neck up. So, you, hey, 
It's just the hairstyle, man. That's all. We, that's all we worry about. The hairstyle. Well, that's that's the easy fit for me. <laughs> I should have known. I should have known. Cavers was going to have a have a uh, a butt now and no. all. You know, he's always a sharp dress. No. <laughs> you know, he's, he's There's pretty, nothing pretty about this. <laughs> One of the things uh, Paul and I keep talking about, and I wanted to get it right off the bat, that I felt that in all the years of coaching, you're not arguably, um, you're the top guy in terms of leadership. Uh, Not only were you a high performer, great cup champion, NFL's and CFL star, and now coach with the Seattle Seahawks, but you were just exemplary of leadership. Uh, right off the bat, when Colin and I thought we were talking about you, I wanted to throw the question out to you. Talk about that culture thing. What is a culture and what do you, as an example, no names, <laughs> good and bad examples of, of culture? I think culture starts with, uh, it starts with your belief uh, of who you are as a person. Uh, who you are as a leader, uh, it, it starts with that because it's all about being authentic. And I think you have to set a culture uh, in, in the world that we live in in sports. You have to be able to set a culture when you walk into a building. Uh, it's very simple by just the way you walk in and you pass the security guards and you speak to them and you say good morning and you, you, you know who they are by name. Uh, it becomes personal. It becomes getting to know people, and I think that culture is just very important because it's it's the it's the the top of the uh, it's the top of an organization. It's the top of a locker room. It's the top of a coaching staff to just really set the tempo of who you really are and what you believe in. And you know your culture is followed by your by your. Uh, <clears throat> By your, I can't think of the word. I got a blank. You see, that's when you get happen when you get close when you get close to fifty. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's about it's about your philosophy. It's about your philosophy, and it it your philosophy has to fit your culture. And I just think it's important in everything that you do in life. I mean, whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's community, uh, you have to have the right culture, and you have to have the right leadership. Man, this is awesome. You know, <clears throat> Carrie, there's there a couple of things that we always, I shouldn't say always, but we often ask people. And it's usually my question because I'm always interested in the journey that got you there. Like, I mean, the, the what you're talking about a culture, it wasn't just something you just woke up and had. I know that there was a journey for you. And, and I'm always interested to hear from other people who have moved into leadership over time, especially when they've been doing it for a while. Kind of what was the journey? Because we see you now, we've seen you, you know, in recent years as a player. But I mean, that journey I know would have had to have started long before you were, you know, on the field in the stadium and 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 in the office and and now coaching other young men. So would would you be okay to maybe talk a bit about that and and kind of what that journey looked like? I'm, I'm I'd be fascinated to hear that. You know what? My journey goes back to just the way my mom and my dad raised me, the home that they raised myself and my two other brothers. You know, I'm in the middle of three, three boys. And we were, we are a very athletic family. 
Uh, they were all basketball. I was the football guy that thought that thought he can play basketball but couldn't shoot. <laughs> so, uh, but we we kind of grew up in that culture where number one, uh, we knew what was important. We knew our faith was the most important thing in our family. We knew our family was important. We also knew that uh, my dad was very big on once we started something, we had to see it through to finish it, whether it was good or whether it was bad. And just growing up in that environment of, uh, of my dad teaching us how to be leaders, how to be our own man, even as a young kid, you know, understanding how to fend for ourselves, but also how to work hard. Uh, that's where it started for me of understanding that nothing in life was going to be easy for me. You know, growing up uh, in high, think about my high school in the late 80s, early 90s, playing college football as an African-American quarterback, going into a environment where it was a mostly white community, I had to handle things a certain way. I had to develop how to be a leader in an environment that wasn't really used to seeing a person of my skin color in a leadership position. So I really learned how to humble myself and to really be me, regardless of what people thought about me or what people said about me. Because for me, I saw human beings. My mom and dad taught us to see human beings, not to see color, see people, see their hearts. So that helped me at a young age to grow. Uh, and then my coaches, you know, uh, just understanding the work ethic, uh, I had coaches at a young age of, of really pushing me to be my very best uh, that, that taught me how to be leaders. Uh, something I learned at a young age was leadership equals credibility. If you develop into a good leader, your credibility is going to come. And, uh, and I, I, had a, I had a cousin told me one day, he said, man, he said, you know, this is your calling to do what you're doing. God has gifted you to play the game of football at a high level, you know, and he always would stay on me and telling me, you know, don't lose it. Make sure you use it because if you don't, you will lose it because God gave it to you. God gave you that gift. So work hard, work harder than the next person. And I just developed that mentality that when people told me what I couldn't do, all right, that was a chip on my shoulder that I was going to show you differently. All right, brother. Uh, you know, when, when, when I was in high school and, you know, people say, man, you can't play quarterback in high school. You, you, you're not a, uh, you're not a passing quarterback. You just can run. Well, I'm going to show you that, you know, and, and having an opportunity to go to Magnet State where I played my college football in Louisiana and people telling me, man, you can't, you, you'll never be a college quarterback. You know, you, you need to just switch positions. Well, no, I'm going to be a good quarterback. I had to prove people wrong there, you know, leaving Magnet State, you know, going into the NFL, not getting drafted. People saying, oh, you're too short. You're only 6'1". You're not 6'4". You're not a pocket passer. You know, you're African-American. They don't have a lot of African-American quarterbacks. Well, I've seen Warren Moon do it. I've seen Randall Cunningham do it. Okay, I'm going to show you that too. So for me, what helped me to be the person who I am and to drive myself into leadership was actually other people doubting me. It made me stronger. Uh, and I just held on to the values of my mom and my dad and coaches that I, 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 I played under as a younger kid in high school and listening to the things that they taught me about work ethic. Also, I just put that into my bag and say, you know what? Every time I went to work, 
I kept those dollars in that bag. I always kept those dollars, those dollars, the dollars close to me because I always remember what they said. And for me, that helped me to continue to grow. And, you know, just getting into the professional level, being around guys like Cavis, of seeing how leaders operated, how leaders brought other men together, how leaders brought a team together. I paid attention. That's one thing I learned, listening. Listening before you speak because you're going to learn so much more about other people and you're going to learn so much more about what to do, you know, and what not to do. And for me, I just, that was my journey, you know. People don't realize. I left Magnese State. I went to the Cincinnati Bengals as a quarterback. I was the third quarterback. Jeff Blake was a starting quarterback. I played one year with the one year with the Cincinnati Bengals. Went to NFL Europe. Played one year in London with the London Minarchs. Got cut from the Bengals. Went to the Washington at the time it was the Redskins as a running back. Was in training camp there as a running back because people told me that I couldn't play running back in the NFL. Okay, I'm gonna make that happen. Well, <laughs> I made it through camp. I got cut. Whew, knock on wood, because that's a tough <laughs> position to play in the NFL. So, but for me, after that, I switched to see. I, I switched to defensive back. People told me, man, there's no way you can make that transition and play in the NFL at a high level, and you never played defensive back before. Okay, well, God bless me. I played four years in Seattle Seahawks as a defensive back. Uh, got five years. Got my retirement in the NFL. Got a call. Hey, you want to go to Canada and play quarterback? Yeah, let's do that too. <laughs> well, guess what? People say, man, you haven't played quarterback in seven years. It's no way you can do that. Okay, I'll show you that too. Because I knew what I had inside of me. And the more people challenged me, the more it brought the best out of me. So I just took that and I ran with it and went to Canada and played 12 years uh, in the CFL and had a chance to lead the team to a great cup. But through it all, I was realizing that I saw what the game was doing to other young men and how it was destroying them. So I knew that I was in a position to lead and to help other men on and off the field. I wasn't perfect, but I knew I had an opportunity to impact a lot of people's lives along this journey. And I ran with it and I just made sure I, uh, I just followed great leaders to become a better leader myself. As you're talking you're, <laughs> you take it, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We say I'm sitting with I'm sitting with my mouth open. I love I'm I loving this. He was, an, he was an impressive man, you know, right? You know, a lot of a lot of people don't know my journey. I don't just openly share it, but when I have the opportunity to put it out there, and I know that I can help someone, I make sure I do that. Oh man, this is, I, I appreciate that. Um, I got a couple of, I, I, there, we are going to get the question where I want to know the stories about Cavis because I know there are all sorts of pranks. The guy's a prankster and I know, I know something that, so I, we don't need to do that now. We'll save that for okay. a little later. <laughs> well, I got, I got, I have one. I have one going. And he probably knows which one I'm talking about. I, 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 remember KJ, we're, this is a podcast. <laughs> I know. I, Oh no, it's it's, it's good. It's it's, it's, it's good. Edit out, no, it's good. No, it's good. It's, 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 no, it's, it's a good one. I'm going. You remind me of the point. If you know, uh, when you can trust yourself, when all men doubt you, but make allowances for their doubting too. 
Um, do you talk about that journey of being doubted, having the cards and the deck stacked against you? Uh, the odds are not in your favor, but yet you carried on. You carried on because you had a foundation uh, that was built uh, by your parents that you don't give up, you don't quit. And we have this not necessarily leadership void, as some people may say it, but I think we have a leadership vacuum where people are not entering that arena because they are afraid of what comes with it. They're afraid of scrutiny. They're afraid of being criticized. What do you say to young men and ladies um, out there that are listening and that you come across about not being afraid of being a leader, of being different? and holding yourself to a standard and not trying to be perfect, but as you said, be you. You know what, I, uh, and it's good too, because I actually have my iPad here. And one thing I do and I share with, with young men and young women, when I tell you that leadership is credibility, I have a thing called, I have seven C's that I talk about. And one is, I, t- I always tell a man, it's your calling. You're in the position that you're in because it's your calling. When you think about internal and external, you as a person was made to do it, to believe in yourself. You were made for it. You know, and I, then I tell them, I say, then it's, it's your character, who you are. It's your integrity and your humility. You know, your character determines your destiny. I tell people that all the time. It's your character. Remember that, you know, people's perception, the, the perception, that's other people's opinion of you perception and their perception their opinion doesn't matter to you because everybody's entitled to their opinion what matters is your character your character is what's going to determine your destiny and i always make sure that and i tell them i say always be competent i say make sure that you're always developing as a leader you know always personally you got to develop then you got to develop as a leader one-on-one with someone else and then you got to get into a group you know, and you got to help develop that way as a leader. And then, and this is the one that you're talking about right here, Cave. It's about courage. Sometimes a leader, you got to make those hard and tough decisions. You know, you got to make those tough decisions to say, you know what, man, I have this group of friends. Man, they've been good. But the lifestyle and what they're doing, ah, it doesn't fit who I am anymore. It doesn't fit where I want to go. So I have to kind of separate myself from there. And you have to have the courage to do that. It might be the group of teammates that, hey, I got to go to work with them or I got to go and coach with them. But I don't really want to do the things that you do after after work. You know, that's where that leadership comes because they recognize it. They recognize the, the, the direction that you want to go and they're going to respect that because, once again, you're being authentic, you know, and, and, and be committed to it. That's the next one I tell them. I say, you got to be committed. I say, because... People are going to feel your sense of commitment. My teammates felt my sense of commitment. When I came out of the locker room and I stepped on the field to play the game, they knew I was committed to winning. They knew I was going to give everything to them to win. When when I went to work out and to train, you know, they knew I'm training to be my very best. I don't care what you're about to do. You can come with me or you don't, you know. That's what it's about for me. It's about that commitment. Cavis might re- remember this. In Edmonton, we had myself, Mike Rowley, and Matt Nichols at quarterback. 
I wasn't even a starting quarterback. Mike Riley was a starting quarterback, but I was in the building every morning about 5.30 in the morning working out, and then I was in the film room about 7. I didn't say anything to the other two quarterbacks. Man, what time do you get here? Oh, I get here 5.30, start working out, get me a workout in, then I come up in here, I just start watching film. Oh, didn't say nothing to him. A couple, about a week later, guess what? Here they come, walking in, 7 o'clock in the morning. Hey, Kerry, you want some breakfast? We'll bring you some breakfast. Uh, no, I'm good. They sit down there. They start watching film. I didn't say anything. I was just showing them what you have to do and the commitment that you have to be and uh, the commitment that you have to have as a leader of a football team if you want to be able to be your very best. And those two guys went, uh, went ahead and played in the game in the CFL for a long time as starting quarterbacks. My job was done because I was on the downside. You know, I was – I was on the other side of 50, like y'all two are, you know. <laughs> had to throw that one in there. <laughs> hey, I, I was on to the... go there again. Hey, y'all, y'all like every day, and then I get the man on here doing the same thing. Right. We, <laughs> hey, now we cut from the same skin. Now we cut from the same. Co- we, we cut well, from we the same cloth. We still look we still good. We still look good. No question, man. We look good, but so, so for me, it was showing that commitment to the guys, and from there, they saw my compassion. They saw that I cared about them and I cared about other people. And then also the last one is compelling. They knew I was just trying to inspire people because I knew I was, I didn't have a lot of years left. I knew I was going to have to end the game sooner or later, but I wanted to make sure it was better when I left than when I came in. And that was my job. And that's my seven C's that I use when you talk about how to inspire the young generation to be committed and to trust themselves as leaders and be committed to it. You have to be authentic because if you're authentic, your credibility is going to come because others are going to watch the way you lead. That's all I do with Geno Smith right now. You know, Geno is a great human being. He's a great football player. I just dug into, okay, how can I help him to become a better leader? Because if I can help him as a man to become a better leader, man, that talent, the talent was already there. I just want to help him to become a better leader. So please forgive me because I think it's very pertinent because I was thinking the exact same thing Karen just said when you started talking about Mike, Mike Riley and Matt Nichols. Whomever listening to this podcast, a, a critical thing as a leader, as Carrie mentioned, is humility. Kerry was still a starting quarterback caliber, and he ended up starting a lot of games for us, and I think a couple of injuries derailed that. He was still starting quarterback caliber, but... I walked into the office of the gym and said, I want this guy, Kerry Joseph. And there are a lot of people around the league that thought that I was stupid. Why want this aged quarterback that's on the downside of his career? But we had two young quarterbacks, and I hope those guys are listening, and I hope that they understand what Kerry meant to them and what Kerry meant to the team. And not too often people talk about that, but Kerry was brought in to first and foremost show these young people, young up-and-coming stars, how to be leaders because by position by title they were going to be leaders and we needed them to understand that you came in with ricky ray and took a lot of stress off of ricky in terms of having to be that vocal leader etc etc and at the end of the year someone asked who's your mvp and i said carrie joseph to a reporter and he looked at me very quizzical and almost in dismay and i'm like carrie joseph And the reason why is because the dynamics of our locker room revolved around a solid leader 
that knew how to inspire, encourage, and motivate men to do the right thing. I never had to, as a head coach, worry about the three o'clock in the morning call. We had some very tough characters in that locker room. And I can remember one in particular that once he left our, our facility, got into a lot of issues because of guys like Kerry and TJ Hill was another I will mention as well. That locker room was in stasis because those men, those leaders made certain there was an accountability. But he was humble as a great cup champion, MVP and accomplished professional. He was humble to be able to accept the role to develop other people. And I think that is key in terms of your leadership journey. You know, thanks for saying, hey, th thanks for sharing those seven C's, uh, Carrie and, and Kavis. Uh, you're absolutely right. I, I can see all of this translating into business, into the academic space, into whether it's lead, you know, leading on a, on a field, leading in a, again in a business, leading in a community. Those seven elements are all foundational. I mean, I, I like it's. This isn't just about playing a, a game on a on a on a field. And Carrie, when you're when you're talking about the things that you're teaching these other young men now, I mean, I've heard you talk about more than just showing. Hey, how do I throw a ball? How do I catch? How do I do these other things? It's how do I live my life? And. Uh, You've talked about, you know, athletes that have come that may not have had that kind of fostering or parenthood or, you know, the, the, the heroes that you had growing up, uh, being your mom and dad, clearly. Could you talk a little bit more about how you've seen yourself in, 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 that, in that calling for yourself to, to, to lead these, these particular young men? Yeah, you know, for me, it's about how... Like before I got into coaching at the NFL, I was at the college level. So you got 17, 18-year-old kids coming in, leaving home. And I was always taught, make sure that you make sure you take care of the man, the young kid, before you really take care of the football player. Because you can develop the skill set, the talent, all you want. But if you don't develop that mind of that person, and get them to understand that football or any sport that you're playing, anything that you do in life, is just what you are doing. It doesn't define who you are. I think sometimes we get caught up. The world, the world tells us, oh, you know what? You're this superstar athlete. That's who you are. No, that's not who you are. That's just what you do. And I always feel that you have to really attack and teach people how to be a better person, how to, like I talked about, how to care for about other people, how to care about yourself first. And then if you do that, it ties into what they do in life. And for me, that's what it was. It was, I wasn't worried about football because I knew I was going to work hard. I knew I was going to do all the right things. I had to make sure that I didn't let the outside noise or things outside of the game distract me. And I had to really keep my my focus on where I wanted to go. Uh, was I always perfect? No, but I knew that what I did, what I did, was my personal business, and nobody else had to have to know that. And that's one thing I try to give these young young men and young ladies that nobody, the world doesn't have to see everything about you. Some things you have to keep close to yourself. 
you know, and and it's about who you are. It's not it's not about your identity is not tied into what you do because we all have a gift. We all have a skill. And if we develop and work hard, we're going to develop those skills. You know, we're going to develop them over and over. But just make sure that that woman or that man doesn't destroy the athlete. And I preach that over and over. And I mean, just when I was coaching college, I get guys and I sit down with young men and I say, hey, who are you? Tell me who you are. Oh, coach, I'm this, I'm this bad, I'm, I'm this bad college uh, receiver. I'm gonna be the best receiver. I was a, I was an all-state receiver. No, tell me who you are, coach. I just told you. No, you telling me about the football player. I need to know who you are. So get them to understand that. I said, man, that's just what you do. I said, okay, let's take football away. Who are you now? <laughs> Thank you. Figure that out first. Figure that out first. So I just try to just maneuver myself through those avenues because that's the way it was taught to me you know my dad always told me he said you can be the best football player that you want to be in the world you can be in the nfl chase your dreams he said but you see that name on your back don't destroy it don't destroy that last name on your back yes sir so i always remember that i represent my family i represent the legacy of my family of the joseph family you know, of the bourgeois family, my mom on my mom's side of the family. <laughs> yeah, that's Cajun right there, that bourgeois. So I, 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 I always I always just try to remember that and attack that going forward in my leadership it, it, role. I am always disheartened when I see uh, in the media a lot of the athletes and the things that they do that blemish their name and their character and it becomes a national story, an international story. Do you think that teams, college, high school, professionals, do you think that they're doing enough to build that individual? Or has it become, I remember a lot of people in leadership used to tell them, hey, don't, let's worry about winning. Let's just worry about winning. But at the end of the day, the clock is going to strike triple zero and the game's going to be over and it has no memory of it, of you. As the athlete, what are you, as you said? Do you think that teams are investing enough in building men and women who are student athletes and professional athletes alike uh, to be better in terms of their leadership and understanding their life during and after football? I, I think some organizations, some teams are. When I look at the NFL level, and I think right here in Seattle, uh, I'm going on year four, and I look at, and Kavis, you probably remember Maurice Kelly, Mo Kelly. Mo Kelly is our VP of player engagement. So Mo Kelly office, which is about 4,000 square feet, and you can tell him that if you want to. <laughs> I walk in his office, I'm like, damn. I'm, I mean, I'm on, I'm on top of uh, Mercer Island right now, bro, really? <laughs> Oh, I give him a hard time. You got 100-inch screen TV there, 100-inch 100-inch screen uh, TV behind you. Golly, Mo. That's my guy. So, but now, nah, seriously, his office is right there by the locker room. It's right there by the player lounge. Mo's job is to make sure that these guys have everything that they need as a player, but most importantly, off the field for life, doing this, doing their careers, post-careers of making sure that they are lined up for the 
for for the opportunity to be successful away from the game. And I see it daily. Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll, the way he's approaching guys, the way what he believes in, you know, it's not about who, it's not about you. It's about us. You know, that's one of the biggest things when you walk in the building, man, nobody cares about your story because we all have a story. We all do. It's about us collectively. So when I see the organization like this at this level doing that, I would say, yes, I think NFL teams have the resources college collegiately. I think that's where we're missing the boat. When you look at this NIL, when you look at the transfer, the transfer portal that is just wide open to just jump in when you when you feel like it, like it's like it's Lake Washington, just jump on in. I think it is destroying our athletes because they don't have to face adversity. They don't have to go mm-hmm. through the hard times that's going to prepare them or hit them when that that jersey, that helmet, those cleats, those basketball shoes come off and then life hits them like a bag of bricks. They lost. And I think collegially we're not doing enough. I think at the professional level, I think we have the resources, but then it comes to the point where you get in a guy that's already damaged. Now he has a bag full of money. And people say, oh, you know, the uh, the love of money is the root of all evil and it changes people. Eh, I don't think money changes people. I think it enhances who people really are. I think it really enhances their, it, it, advan- it advances their, it, it, it just advances who they are. So we have to be able to fix that. And it's hard. You know, just talking to Mo Kelly, it's, it's hard when you got guys that 22, 23 years old has got a bag, you know, $15 million. And you trying to tell me what I need to do? Man, I'm good. I can do what I want. I can buy what I want. It's tough. I think so. I think we are doing enough, but I think we can even do more. Kerry, you, you just talked about when, when, when life hits them, after the cleats come off and life hits them. Um, you've, you've like, everybody else has gone through hard times, gone through difficult, dark times. But, you know, for the purposes of encouraging those who are listening, um, I mean, you've shared before some dark challenges that, and, and the things that got you through those dark challenges. Would, would you be willing to share that? I, I know there's a particular story about your dad you shared, and, and um, but you don't need to share that one necessarily, <laughs> whatever you yeah. feel comfortable with, but um, I, I think I would appreciate that for sure. You know what, Colin? I uh, when I when I think back to uh, you know high school, man, things things were just great, lined up perfectly for me. You know, as a young man, uh, you know, I lost uh, lost my dad's mom in high school, my grandmother, which was tough because I was really really close to her, and I lost her, and I could not attend her funeral because we had a game, and. Everybody encouraged me to go play that game. You know, I went through that. Went to college, man, had a great career at Magnet State. You know, had a chance to be number one in, in, in the country at the FCS, at the FCS level uh, for a couple of years. Had a great run, great career. Things were good. Uh, then I get a chance to get to the NFL uh, and I decided at a young age, at the age of 25, that I wanted to get married. And... That lasted, uh, the, 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 so I want to say it was 99. 
I got to get my years together. I went to Canada in 03. Well, as you, you get old, as you get, this, this is what's going to, it's going to get I'm, worse I'm, when you hit 50, Carrie. That, that's. I know. I'm, I'm still climbing that. I'm still climbing on the good side of the mountain. I'm not on the other <laughs> side yet. I'm, I'm going to see y'all in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see y'all in October. Uh, <laughs> but I got married. I want to say that da, 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 da. I was, I can't remember exactly. I think it was 95. 96 was my rookie year so it had to be like 99 and I got married at a young age uh probably too fast and but my dad was a man that said you know as as Ben I've given you guys the keys and you guys got to learn you got to learn your own path and I lost my dad a year later in 2000 and that was a tough time for me because I was playing in Seattle at the time uh I was with the Seahawks and I got the call doing a during the spring, like right, right around this time in like March. And I got a call and they told me, man, you need to get home. Your dad, he's, you know, my dad was struggling from a congestive heart failure because he had had open heart surgeries at a young age as when he was a teenager. And so you need to hurry home. So I jumped on the flight, flew home. I got home and my dad was in the hospital just full of joy. Like, you know, I'm good. I'm not going anywhere. You know, he said, shoot, I got to the gate. God told me, oh, you don't have, you got more time. He said, it's not your time yet. He said, I got four months left. It's not my time. I looked at him like, man, stop playing. And my dad was a pretty average bowler, loved bowling, probably like a 200 average consistently. Never had a 300. Uh, he had 299. And my dad got out of the hospital. Doctor told him, like, man, it's a miracle to see. You, know, you was on your deathbed to where you are. Dad got out and said, can I bowl? Doctor said, yeah, he said, I would just take it easy, you know, listen to your body. And my daddy got out, bowled his 300, got out, bowled his 300. And then four months from that date in July, my dad passed away. And for that, for me, at at a young age, that was tough because he was my biggest, he's one of my biggest supporters. When he came to football, I didn't have to brag because he was going to do all the bragging for us. And for him not not being able to see me continue my career in the NFL, it took a toll on me. It was tough uh, to just to even return back to playing football. But then I can just remember him always telling me, once you start something, you got to finish it. So for me, it was to go back and to finish that career. And uh, and that's what I did. And even a few years later, went through my divorce uh, before I started playing up in Canada. That was another Another tough one for me because I, I feel that I have a big heart and I'm going to give you my very best. And for that to go south on me, it really threw me for a loop now because I didn't have my dad. I failed in my marriage and my career was ending because at the time I was out of the NFL, you know, and people don't know just going through that process, you know, because I was so frustrated. I found myself drinking a lot more, trying to get through the pain. And then I found myself one night, shoot, 12 hours later, I was in jail because I was on a piece of property that I shouldn't have been on. But it's crazy because the, the arresting officer, I didn't even know him. <laughs> Turned around in a police car, told me, he said, you know what? He said, you see that female you're running behind and you're chasing? That's why you're not playing football. Man, you don't even know me. What you talking about telling me that? All right, let's fast forward. Get my life together. Get a call from my pastor who wants me to be a deacon. When my, when my pastor called me, when the secretary called me, I was at my house drunk. Like me? Man, I'm so jacked up. 
I'm like, Deacon? And she was like, yeah. Pastor, he gave me a stern talking. I said, you know what? Let me get my life together. I got to figure out what I want to do. And between my pastor and having a chance to go to the CFL, I got a call from Eric Tillman, who was the GM in Ottawa at the time. He said, man, you want a chance to play quarterback in the CFL? I was like, man, I can get away from all this pain and struggle, and I can go back to doing what I love to do. I said, let me clear myself up, get myself together. And I, I made that turn, and I made that commitment, not only to me. I had to think about what my dad told me. You're destroying the last name. Look at the pain and the hurt that you have on your mom. You know, like, I'm the middle, but I was the baby at the time. I got my mom in pain because I find myself in jail for 12 hours because I'm being stupid because I'm on, I'm drinking and I'm somewhere where I don't need to be. I said, you know what? I'm about to leave all this behind me. I'm going to Ottawa. Cavis was in Ottawa at the time as a defensive back coach, our team chaplain, uh, Ryan, uh, uh, yeah, I can't think of Ryan last name right now. Our, our team chaplain, I never forget, walked in, gave me a Bible. He gave me a scripture. He had a card. His business card was on Psalms 40, one through three. And I opened it. And to this day, I know I, I won't I won't ever forget that scripture. And it just started changing my life to realize that, you know what? I have another chance to be that leader that God has called me to be. And I'm not going to I'm not going to mess this challenge up. And from that from that point on, I never looked back. And I said that I wanted to just help other people that was going to go through some tough times in life to be the very best that they can be. And those were, those were two tough challenges for me. And it prepared, it prepared me for things that I was going to come in the future. You know, of, you know, of, of winning the Grey Cup in 07, of being a league MVP after taking a pay cut and then getting traded. That was out of my control. But you know what? Everything that I've dealt with before, I was able to deal with that too because I wasn't going to let that stop me either. You know, but if I would have never went through the tough times, I don't know if I would handle that the same and, way. And Colin, I, I have to say that this is, he's an impressive young man. And I, we can say young because he's still 49, but um, he, yep. he, yep, not yet. yet. Yeah, just, just, yeah. just squeeze out those last few months there, bro. I'm, I'm going to take, I'm going to take every bit of it. Humility, <laughs> I have to keep repeating is he's leaving out so much of how he's humbly sojourned life and, I would love to have him back or just talk about Kerry's career as I know it. And I've had the privilege and honor of sharing some of the best moments and some of the tough moments with him because he's an icon in the CFL. He's legendary. I can say that without, without question or any doubt. And people will recognize him for all the success he's had. But I think this young man should be held up for the standard that he, he upholds. Um, when he came to Ottawa as a quarterback, he did not. Uh, he did not start that way. He did not start off on the most solid of ground, and worked through it. And like you said, God's will, and battled through all the adversity of, you know, this is not going to work out as quarterback. Uh, can you hang around? And being in the dorm room, we talk about you transfer, uh, transfer, uh, going back to defensive back just to get him to hang around. Because in my heart, I knew this guy had something. So Coach Joe Palpow and Eric agreed that we were going to keep him there as a defensive back, and that didn't last too long. Well, it didn't last two days, three days. <laughs> and that didn't last long. Didn't last long. And the rest <laughs> is history. But I no. say that to say this. Resiliency leads to success. 
maintain your character. Go back to just a quote you had, Carrie. I think Dr. King is credit with it. Be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is who you really are while your reputation is merely what people think of you. Mm -hmm. And when the adversity he faced and no one saw, they see the MVP, the Great Cup champion, Kerry Joseph. They don't see all the valleys that he had to sojourn in the CFL to get to where he gets. And I think that's another story that we need to tell someday, Kerry. I totally agree. I totally agree. I would love to share that story and talk about that also. And uh, because you just, like you said, you got to stay, you got to stay humble, man. And I tell you, I share this police officer never knew who he was. Right. About I've been two years ago. I go back home, brother, my brother in Louisiana, he said, man, you want to play in the golf tournament in New Orleans? It's a three day tournament. Yeah, I'll come down. I'll be home. Actually, that's my spring break. I said, I'm going to sign up for it. Sign up for it. Go out there and meet my oldest brother. I see the officer. I said, man, what's his name? I said, I remember him. He used to be an officer in Lafayette, Louisiana. I said, man, he looks for me. I said, damn. I said, that's the one that actually arrested me back in the day. My brother my brother looked at me. He said, you know he used to bowl with, my, with our daddy. You kidding? Oh, so when I went to speak to him, he was like, "Man, how you doing?" I said, "Man, I'm good." I said, "It's good to see you again." I said, "I just found out something." I said, "My brother just told me that you used to bowl with my dad." He said, "Yep." He said, "I knew your dad real well, Duck." He said, "How you think I knew who you were?" I was like, "Wow!" I didn't know he knew me. <laughs> I didn't know he bowled with my dad. So and he how told long me, after was this? Was the- this, this is was like, two what, years 20 ago. 20 years later? 20 years later. Oh, yeah. Because I can tell you, I went to CFL in 03. So this happened in 02. Because I, I didn't play in the NFL in 02. I was coaching high school football in Lafayette. And that's when I kind of was going through that, bad, that tough time. I, I was separated. And so it was 02. And then, see, this is spring. So this was spring 21 when I saw him. And he said, yeah, he said, that's, that's how I knew you were. And I, and I told him amazing. that day, I said, man, thank you. I said, I really appreciate you because that just changed my life right there. So you just never know when you talk about humility, you just never know the people that you can impact, but you also, you never know the people that might cross your path to help you along the way. That's amazing. That's me. Oh, snap. Okay, I want to know about Cavus now. We actually, I, I think I have the power to actually drop Cavus off or mute him because I really want to know the story. <laughs> okay, this and, is a funny one. I don't go ahead, go ahead. All right, I'm ready. I'm ready. So we in Toronto, and this was uh, I don't know if it was my first year or second year in Toronto. So we in Toronto, and we practice at the yeah. University of Mississauga, if I'm not mistaken, right? So we had our practice fields. But our locker room, we didn't have a field house or anything. We just had portable trailer trailers. So Cavis, like I know him, was always a grinder. You know, he was gonna be there early, he was gonna be there late putting in the work. So for me, I would always come back later in the day and go to the facility to get me a workout in. So I come back late in the afternoon one day and I look over like across the way and I can see that. There's still a couple cars over there. And I noticed Kavis' car over there. 
Well, it's the it's a young lady. Oh yeah. I know you remember Sarah. It's a young lady. It's a young lady that's that works in a fitness center. So she has the responsibility at night of going over behind our trailers to turn the lights off for the field because the fields are our fields and it's soccer fields also. So she said, she said, KJ, you mind, she mind, you mind walking over with me uh, while I turn the lights off? You know, it's night. So, and I knew her, so we were friends. So I said, yeah, I'll walk over there. I said, matter of fact, Cave is still over there. I said, yeah, I'm gonna walk over here. So my mind, because he is a prankster, on my way over there, here comes me, my prankster. Oh, I'm gonna get him. So I said, I'm gonna scare the hell out of Cavis. So we go over there, we hit the lights off. So now it's really dark. So I knew where his office is at. He's sitting down at the computer. And I'm coming from the side. I'm coming from like one, I don't know what side it was. So I walk up and I'm just looking at him through the window. He doesn't even see me. He's typing away, going at it. And I just tap on that window. And when I tell you, the laptop, the chair, everything went up. And he was like, when I tell you, I, I know you probably had to go to the bathroom. So by the time I made it around the building, Cavis had them packed up everything. And when came out the building, he was like, man, you just scared the hell out of me. I'm going home. We laughed so hard. Hey, when I tell you, I, when I tell you, I said, boy, it's amazing how when a joke is back on you, things can change real quickly. I'll never forget that. We laugh about Holly, that all the time. That, you know, we, those portables we thought were haunted anyhow. <laughs> and the, the campus is surrounded yes. by trees. So when it's dark, is dark. <laughs> I mean, hey, we dark, thought dark. it was haunted anyhow. We thought, man, got, got to be spirits in here. Man, when he knocked on that thing, man, my laptop is gone. <laughs> I'm running out to the front. <laughs> I get around there, he's laughing. I'm like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey, he got at that building so quick. I said, "You going home tonight?" Going hey, I tonight. did. And I just, I just kept. Hey, hey, Colin, I just kept walking. I walked it back to the building, got my truck, and I went home. <laughs> off I went. So, working a lot. I okay. I give you another one. I give you another one. Let's fast forward to Edmonton. He's the head coach in Edmonton, and. I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remember being in the meeting room. I think I was actually I was watching film, and something had happened with the coaches or something. Kevin Spotty can clarify it, but he was he was ticked off and he was hot. And for him to get mad when he gets mad, like my wife, my wife Kevin knows. My wife would always tell him she's a nurse. She said, "I need to check your blood pressure because I know it's sky high right now." <laughs> So I, all of a sudden, I just hear Kevin's voice just goes from, from, from a five to about a 20. And he is just cussing up a storm. He is hot. Screaming and yelling, hollering. I hear, I hear things just hit the wall. And I was like, dang. I said, something, something bad going on. So I get up. When things calm down, I get up. I walk around the corner. I peeked in the office. I said, can I come talk to you? He said, yeah, come on. I need to talk to you. Man, I look around the office. They got coffee stains everywhere. He done knocked the coffee cup down. I'm like, oh man, what the the hey, but his 
his assistant coaches had done pissed him off, so he mad about something. I said, I said down there, little recliner. I said, you sure it was a good time? He said, yeah, KJ, I need, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Okay. And I, I just, I just saw a whole different side of him. I looked around that office. I'm like, man, KJ lost his dang mind. The thing is, he's, he sounds and talks so sweet. That's when you I'm know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's so, so put when, together, so articulate, so sweet. Yeah, so when that went from five to 20, oh. I, I knew something was wrong. Yeah, I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Oh, man, wait till this gets out. Yeah. Okay, last, my last one, I'm going to give you a good more. one. there's more. I'm going to give you a good one. I'm gonna give you this one because this one, this one is life changing for me. I was on the practice field, Cave is standing up, and I'm watching the players practicing. I turned to him, and I knew I kind of wanted to get into coaching, and that was his deal too. When he brought me back, I was like, "Man, won't you start your coaching career now?" He said, "I'm gonna help you, you know, being a backup, being a leader in the locker room, you know, learning what to do, but also learning what not to do." So that helped me develop into the coach I am. I turned to him one day. I said, man, Cavis, how you deal with us? He's like, what you talking about? I said, man, look at all these egos, you know, all these alpha males. And, you know, you got to deal with us as a head coach. He said, y'all easy. He said, look around at the coaches. He said, you're going to coach one day. He said, you see all those egos? That's the tough ones. I said, you serious? He said, man, but you get into coaching and you got these egos and these coaches and everybody got their – they wanted their way. You'll see. Fast forward. And I got into coaching. And for me, like, I am who I am. I played the game. The game is not hard for me. I'm going to study the game. I'm going to give it my all. But I'm not going to complicate the game. You know, and I don't have to have it my way. Man, I got into coaching. And it's like, like, dang. You, you just sat at the table with him. Now you're trying to talk about him. And you're trying to cut his throat. But y'all just talked. Now you, I mean, man, I'm, like I'm telling you. management team. I, hey, I go, I, go to, I go to a coach's Bible study. We finish praying. And I'm sitting out having a conversation with a coach. And you just talking about somebody else that just finished Hold on, we just finished praying. And now you cutting that coach's throat? And I'm saying to myself, like, so how am I supposed to trust you if you're trying to cut somebody else's throat and we just finished saying amen? <laughs> so I always go back to what he said, like, man, Cavis wasn't lying. And he, he, he's he gotten some phone calls from me, like, bro, man, these egos. So out of all the funny things, man, the, the advice that man has given me, the human being, when he talks at a level five, not twenty, <laughs> five, it's, it's 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 lifetime information and knowledge that has helped me along the way. Okay, Kavis, you you got any rebuttal whatsoever? I, I, all I have to say is you that try to I, save I just started drinking coffee too. That was the that was the worst part. <laughs> I was just started that drinking coffee. That was the coffee. problem. It was the coffee, and they're gonna piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm talking about he had coffee stands everywhere. Oh, we have to get, we have to get you decaffeinated. No, you can't, you no, can't drink straight. I'll get you. I'm lying. I'll, I'll let you know what happened. Man. It was that ego. It's the ego. Yeah. 
I I can't remember I can't remember the story exactly, but I knew that the well when I heard them things being thrown, I was like, God dang. And I think if I'm not mistaken, the other quarterbacks was in there with me. And it was like, man, you think everything all right? And I was like, shit, we ain't, we ain't gonna find out right now. We're gonna, we're gonna let that settle down a little bit. Indeed, <laughs> not. Hey, Colin, it was only one incident. <laughs> yeah, it was just it the one happen. time. It was the one. It didn't time. happen. Right. It didn't happen that often. It didn't. But when he when he went there, yeah, that's a whole different side of caves I don't want to ever see. Oh, bro, thank you, thank you, kid. Um, Kerry, we always ask, we ask, we ask every, everybody we've had on the, on, on this show, we, mm-hmm. we ask them this question. I don't know if anybody has actually stayed within the rules, but the question <laughs> is Uh-oh. if we had an opportunity to build a prototype of a leader blank slate, and we said, we needed to pick one characteristic that was absolutely critical to building a prototypical leader for you, what would that be? Now, don't cheat on me because everybody else tries to cheat. So I'm going to I'm going to see how honest you really is. <laughs> Trust. That one's different. <laughs> Trust. I like this. I'm I'm building a word cloud out cloud out of all of this. So trust. Think, mm-hmm. Yeah. You said one. Let me put them together. Loyalty and trust. Loyalty and trust. It's number one. And, and the reason why I picked that is because that's at the top of my list of when I'm done and I walk away from this game and I walk out of every locker room. I leave Seattle and I'm with another team. Those two words tied together as one. When you say Kerry Joseph, that's what I want you to know. Those two words. That's the name. You you don't have to say you don't have to say anything else. Kerry Joseph and his loyalty and trust was real. And and I'm going to end on a story. Not a not a funny story, but it's it's applicable to what he just said. I think you know, Colin. I think people listening can understand my affinity and my love for this man. So uh, I'm, these are, I want him back on so we can just talk about some of the things that uh, he alluded to. But there are so many players that are recognizable CFL players that have had accomplished careers that may realize it, do realize it, or indirectly might come to understand that their success went through Kerry Joseph. And I'm going to mention uh, one particular, no names, but we had a running back, a Canadian running back uh, that was in a situation with uh, another team that did not uh, feel that he fit anymore. Uh, had some some issues with the team, had some, some issues in terms of getting life together. And I was a very young head coach my first year. And really wanted to give people a chance. And Kerry was, you know, really a, a, a colleague more than a player coach. And when I spoke to the other head coach about this player, everything I heard was, you know, he's a good person, but he just have a very troubled uh, situation to that coach's credit. And I'll mention the name, Wally Buono. 
to his credit, uh, the utmost respect for how he handled that situation. And most people in our organization did not want me to pursue that. Eric Tillman, the GM, uh, was in favor of it, but most people did not. And I remember calling Kerry Joseph and TJ Hill into the office. It was a Sunday. And I said, I want to make this move. He's a very disruptive individual, repeatedly disruptive. Can our locker room handle it? Can you handle it? And those men looked me in my eye and said, make the move. Not because the player's potential, but for the opportunity to help this young man understand that his potential is only potential. If he doesn't realize it, it's going to go to waste. He had, I believe, I don't know this factually, but I believe he had his best statistical year. It changed the course of a lot of CFL players that are going to go in the Hall of Fame because the standard was set. He had his very best year, could have been, uh, could have been the uh, player of the year, could have broken Russian records. He came very close to breaking a record, and he made a mistake the last game. His parents had come out to see him play. Everything was set for him to break the record. But he made a mistake that week. Called KJ in. Hey, man, I'm not going to play him. (laughs) I wanted his, really, I wanted his approval. I wanted a player, but someone whom I trust, I wanted his approval to do what I felt was the right thing. He said the team would be okay. That's all I needed to hear. When KJ said the team is going to be okay, I know we can make that move. We had that young man stand the entire game, needing just a few yards to break a record, watch the game, thinking he's going and not going to play. About the fourth quarter, he said, man, you're going to let me in? My my parents are here. Nope, not going to play. You're going to learn that there are consequences to the decisions you make, and this is going to improve your life. Soak it up. Long story short, finished the year, had a banner year, got an NFL opportunity, and things didn't work out there, but he had that experience. KJ and his leadership allowed us to make that decision to change the course of this young man's life for the better and a number of players that are going to go into the Hall of Fame as a residual started to get starting position in the CFL. You're muted. Sorry, Colin. <laughs> you muted. Yeah. <laughs> if there was a club, I forgot how it worked then. The mic. <laughs> I was speechless. I was speechless. Hey, we're, hey, the, we, the, worst, the worst thing they could have told me is be ready to laugh. <laughs> well, I, I was just speechless. That's all I could say. No. We could we could sit the whole day in the barbecue shop and just and just talk and listen. And um, this this is a wonderful this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, you're right. You're right, Chaos. Uh, KJ, if you would, if you would grace us with your time again and somewhat to continue the story, man, I, I, I would, I would, I would love it. I think people need to hear. We, we've got such, I'll, I'll step on the soapbox myself for just a second. We have got such a void of leadership in the world today, <clears throat> and not enough people 
coaching and helping others on how to become leaders. No one teaching us, and we've had a gap for a long time, and now we're feeling the effects in our in our society, in our workplaces, in the places that we play, um, and in our homes. And um, I, I just really appreciate you sharing, um, you know, a really powerful message for people who are listening to you on, on how to develop and how to develop their leadership and the things they need to focus on. So um, I just thank you, and I really appreciate you you taking this. Uh, taking this hour, even though we're, we don't know what time zone we're in. It would... yeah. <laughs> it's hey, okay. When you we, get, when you hit the 50, it just, it just, you, you lose time. Sometimes you lose track yeah. of time. Yeah, that's right. You, that's right. You know what, Colin, you know, guys like Cavis men, like, I'm going to say guys, men like Cavis, Joe Popow, Kent Austin, Tommy Condell, Richie Hall, Danny Barrett, Roy Shivers, and I can go on and on. And I'm just naming names that I've come across just in the CFL. When you look at me, they all are bottled up inside of me. Because when I tell you, it was just like picking apples from a tree that I can just grant, I just grab knowledge over and over to help me to develop into the person that I am. Because of Cavis them and those names that I mentioned, when you talk about leadership, and when I see my vision, for me, as a leader, is just a vivid. It's something I vividly see, that I can vividly see in my mind, to help those I lead make it a reality. Because people had to do it for me. Sometimes I didn't know where I was going, but Cavis saw something in me, his vision as a leader. Then he gave it to me to help me to become a better leader. So for me, my vision is. Things that I see in my mind for players, for people that we got to be able to reach back and, and, and grab, I got to make it become a reality of their life. Mm-hmm. And and that's what we're missing in the world today because everybody is about is about me. It's not about the next person. Everybody is about what can I get for me? Well, you know what? What about the next person? What about the next generation? And the only way you can help them, you got to be better yourself. You got to be a good leader. You got to be a better person to be able to help the next person. I think we just missing it. So if whenever you guys want me on here, let me know. If I can fit it into my schedule, I will make sure I'll be on here. So if we can keep reaching them and keep going and get the young generation and the next generation, even though some, some of them that's over 50, like you guys, you know, we can reach them. Hey, hey, we can hey, reach bro, there, them too. There is a hundred years of wisdom. Forty-nine. Unless you're fifty-one. Forty-nine. Y'all both are fifty. Forty-nine. And like a half. Three quarters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Hey, Kate gave us a ball, wrap man. Up, man. <laughs> we appreciate and love you, man. Yes. All right. Love you guys, man. Appreciate everything. Anytime. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bald Leadership. If you enjoyed the show, please follow, like, and share. See you next time.